promised for the last five weeks, this is week number six uh, in this series that we've been doing. And my prayer for you uh, in preparation for this series and uh, throughout this series is that our church would grow in our dependence upon the help from the Holy Spirit. Because we have been promised everything that we need in order to be successful and build the church and build the kingdom right here in Greenbrier, Arkansas. And so it's been my prayer that you would become and understand how dependent we are on that help and that uh, you would embrace that uh, in this series of messages. My prayer has also been that you have a clear understanding of who the Holy Spirit is is and exactly what it is that the Holy Spirit does in your life, in your family, in the church, and uh, all throughout the world. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and today we're going to be looking at the promise of spiritual gifts. Uh, It's what we're going to be focusing on today. Uh, and while you're turning there, just a reminder, we, need, we still need candy and volunteers for our tailgate and treat coming up this Wednesday night. Now, for those of you that have seen the weather, you've seen right now they're forecasting 80 to 100% chance of rain on Wednesday. Keep your eyes open on social media. Uh, Keep your eyes open for email. Uh, We'll communicate to you if we decide to make any changes uh, with that and how we're going to do that. And So we just ask you to be flexible with us, uh, but we still could use some more candy and more volunteers. There's a sign-up sheet out there. Uh, at the Welcome Center. Uh, also, uh, Operation Christmas Child, I'm, I'm stoked that we're a drop-off center uh, for Operation Christmas Child boxes this year, which means we're basically open to the public uh, November 11th through the 19th, a few hours a day. We just need somebody here to be a smiling face to receive those boxes and thank the people and give them any guidance that they may need. Uh, sign up for that out there at the Welcome Center. Uh, and, uh, you know, we talk a lot about we're blessed to be a blessing, um, and so uh, speaking of a blessing, Lynette and I just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for the generous uh, pastor appreciation gift we received last week. Uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm hardly ever uh, without words or overwhelmed, uh, but we were overwhelmed uh, last Sunday by your generous gift, and I don't know, I told the Wednesday night uh, Bible study, I said, I don't know if I ever even said thank you. Uh, because uh, we were we were just floored by your generosity, but we want to thank you. Uh, we love being your pastors. We love being a part of what God's doing here, and uh, so thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Well, let's dig in this morning to this message, uh, final message in our series on the promise. Last week, we looked at the fact, and I think this is important, we looked at the fact that a lot of what Jesus did uh, while he was here on earth in his ministry, uh, he was doing through the power of the Holy Spirit that was on him. And, and uh, we saw the, the gospel writer Luke, who wrote the gospel of Luke and also wrote uh, the book of Acts. He goes out of his way almost, we saw last week, to show us that Jesus did so much of what he did through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit being present uh, upon his life and and that that Jesus uh, is accessing uh, the Holy Spirit's power to do a lot of what he does should encourage us because we have the promise of that same help 
we have access to the same power that Jesus had access to when he was here uh, on this earth. And Luke just kind of, it's like he wanted to point that out, that Jesus did these things under the power of the Holy Spirit. And oh, by the way, the promise is that you have the Holy Spirit as well if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and that's exciting stuff. And, and so this morning, I want to look at a passage of teaching uh, by the Apostle Paul uh, about the promise of the Holy Spirit in our lives and dig into what he shares with the church at Corinth about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the reason that he does this, the reason he addressed this, is because there, there were some issues going on. There were some misunderstandings uh, about the Holy Spirit and the gifts that come from the Holy Spirit. And so Paul's basically uh, just saying, you know, I, we, we need to understand this a little better. And, and so I wanted to go to that passage this morning and talking about, as we close out, the gifts that are available to you and I uh, through the Holy Spirit. And he starts out... In chapter 12, verse 1, saying this. He says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. And just stop right there, and I think it's important that we understand what a spiritual gift is. All right, When he speaks of spiritual gifts, what is a spiritual gift? Well, very simply, it's Jesus continuing his mission and continuing his ministry through members of the church. Okay? And so we, we can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit that we are given uh, to do that. You'll remember back to, to week number two where we saw Jesus say something that's, that uh, is really interesting. John 14, verse 12, he says, Whoever believes in me, don't miss this, whoever believes in me. How many believers do we have in here? Any? Huh? Yeah, we got a few believers. So he says, anyone who believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. You're a believer doing the work that Jesus was doing, right? And he says, and they will do even greater things than these, right? They will do even greater things than these. And we learn that what Jesus means here uh, by saying this uh, in these greater things is that it would be greater, think about it, for all of us to have the power instead of just him having it. Wouldn't that be greater? Maybe we're confused. All right, maybe this won't be the last week of this series. Uh, but, you know, it would, it would be great if Jesus was here today. We talked about it, right? I mean, if Jesus was here, you know, and we had a headache, Jesus say, you know, you don't need ibuprofen. It would be awesome if Jesus was here. But think about it. With 350 to 400 people that are, are, are attending here this weekend, we've got 400 people potentially tapping into the same power that Jesus had. All right, I went to school at Conway, but 400 is greater than one. All right, I think I learned that in math class. 400 is greater than one. Do you see how it would be greater if 400 people were empowered to do the mission of Jesus Christ. So do you see why Jesus is saying that we could do even greater things uh, than, than what he did? And the mission and the ministry of Jesus is to do what? All right, if we've been empowered, we have access to this power, and we have these gifts that we're going to look at detailed here in just a little bit, you know, they're to do the mission and the ministry of Jesus. Well, what was that? What was the mission of Jesus? What was the ministry of Jesus? Well, number one, it was to glorify God on this earth. Our mission is to glorify God. We've been empowered to do that. Jesus also came to be a blessing to the world. 
right, to heal the world. Last week, we talked about how Jesus came to set the captives free. And we talked about what it looked like for people to be under different types of captivity last week. And we as the church have been called to set captives free just like Jesus set captives free. And Jesus' mission was two, two other things that are, are very important to what we've been called to do as the church. Jesus' mission was to save sinners and to build the kingdom. All right? And, and so when God does those things through you, and God does those things through me and through the church, He does it through a spiritual gift of the Holy Spirit. All right, that's how we do those things. It's through the gifts that, that we've uh, been given. And the reason that Paul's addressing it here to the church is because there was some confusion about the gifts of the Spirit. And so Paul is going to explain it to us here uh, again, verse 1. Uh, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do, I do not want you to be uninformed. He wants us to be informed because this is extremely important. All right, it's very important that we understand this. A reminder that these gifts come from God's amazing love for us. These gifts come from God's generosity to us, right? God has given us gifts. Isn't that awesome? I mean, just think about it. God loved you so much that he got you a gift, okay? He got you a gift, and, and, and so it, it's not only for our own good, but it's for his good as well. And Paul goes on, verse 2, he says, You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. And what Paul's doing here is he's affirming uh, here what he says over and over again all throughout his letters that this faith that we have, all right, this faith in Jesus Christ, this saving faith, this faith that saves us, right, is a faith that only comes through and from the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us, all right? If it weren't for the work of the Holy Spirit, none of us could call Jesus our Lord, I shared this with you earlier in the, in the series. You know, people say from time to time, well, I don't feel like the Holy Spirit has done a work in my life. If you believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit's done a work in your life. He's the one that enabled you to have this faith and this believing, right? Now, this is the greatest gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, is a, a believing faith. It's the Spirit at work in us so that we can believe and embrace Jesus as our Lord and Savior of our life. And then Paul describes the purpose of these spiritual gifts because there was a lot of confusion about the gifts and who got them and why they had this one and all that. A lot of confusion going on within the church. Look at verse 4. He says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working. But in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. And so again, Paul's saying the role of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that we receive from the Holy Spirit are for one reason, so that we can serve Him and do His work, right? He gives us gifts. Why does He give us this gifts? Because He wants us to be awesome? Well, yeah because we're his kids, but he gives us these gifts so that we can be used for him, so that we can be an extension of him in this world that we're in today. Don't miss this. We have been saved to serve. 
And if you feel like you're saved for any other reason than that, I would challenge that this morning, that Jesus taught us we have been saved to serve others. And we saw Jesus do it time and time again while he was here. Now the focus turns, Paul turns the focus to what the Holy Spirit does in verse 7. He says, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, this term here, manifestation of the Spirit, is what these spiritual gifts are, okay? Uh, this phrase, to each one, tells us that every believer has at least one spiritual gift. To each one, this is manifested in them, okay? So, so every single believer has at least one spiritual gift, and even though this verse doesn't say it, but it's implied throughout the rest of the chapter as he talks about how important each member is to the body of Christ because we each have a very important spiritual gift, all right? And so I believe a lot of conflict could have been avoided over the years if people would have kept in mind the purpose of what Paul was saying and what he's trying to teach here, and his point is this, all right? All of these gifts, every single spiritual gift, they are for the common good of serving Jesus and building the kingdom. And I'm going to say that over and over and over today because the confusion and the conflict was f coming from the fact that people had received spiritual gifts and they were all about it bringing attention to themselves. All right? And who had the greatest gift and what is the greatest gift and seeking uh, uh, other gifts and all that. And that's, the, that's not the point of this at all. The purpose of the gifts right, are so that we could do the common good of serving Jesus and building his kingdom here on this earth. The reason Paul's addressing it is, is because the, the people have taken gifts and totally confused it there in the church in Corinth. They thought that their spiritual gifts made them look super spiritual, okay? Uh, look at, you know, they, they were like, look at my gift. Look at how awesome I am. Maybe one would be saying, look, I have the gift of prophecy, Oh, it stinks to be you. You only have the gift of being a greeter, <laughs> you know? All right, so that, that's kind of what was taking place here. That's what was going on. And, and so here's the deal. To think that a spiritual gift sets you apart, to think that a spiritual gift that you might have puts you above someone else or makes you greater than someone else shows that you don't understand what you deserve because what you deserve is the wrath of God. That's what we all deserve. We deserve God's wrath, but what we have been given is God's generosity. What we have been given is God's righteousness. What we have been given is a gift from God, and we don't deserve any of that. We don't deserve his goodness. These gifts are not so that we might could be recognized or that we might could be in the spotlight or that we might could be celebrated or applauded, right? These gifts are, are not about that, but they're not about being something special or having something special and holding that or leveraging that uh, over other people's he heads. These gifts are given to serve God and bring glory to God. And you have a gift to be used to serve Him or to bring glory to Him. And so Paul goes on here in this passage. He goes on to list uh, some of the specific gifts that the Lord has given to the church. And don't miss this because this list here is one of six lists that you will find in the New Testament. Okay? 
It's one of, one of six. Uh, there are two more in 1 Corinthians. There's another list in Ephesians. There's a list in the book of Romans. And there is also a list in 1 Peter, I believe, chapter 4. And here's the deal. None of the lists are the same. People want to get hung up about the list and what's on the list. None of the lists are the same. There are some overlaps, but there's at least 22 different gifts that are listed uh, in all these different places in the New Testament, and, and no list includes all of them, which tells us this. This is obviously not an exhaustive list, all right? It's definitely not all the gifts that the Lord has given to His children. Uh, a spiritual gift is whatever God wants to do in and through a person to serve others and build His kingdom in this world. That's what a gift is. But let's, let's continue on at verse 8. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another the interpretation of... Of tongues, And now at this point, a lot of pastors will take the, this list and try to give you a definition or give you a description of what each of these gifts are that Paul has listed here. And I'm not going to try to do that today uh, because honestly, I, I think this is maybe a little uh, more complicated than, than what a lot of people are willing to admit. And, but I just want to give you an example. Paul says here in this passage... That one is giving through the Spirit a message of wisdom. Okay, so he talks about a message of wisdom. And so some people look at that and think that basically uh, that could be the gift of being smart. All right, uh, someone that has a lot of knowledge, especially maybe about spiritual matters. Uh, we might think they have this gift that, that's talking about here of wisdom. One translation says it's the, the ability to speak with knowledge. Uh, in other words, someone who knows what they're talking about, uh, we might think would have this gift. Other people believe that this means that some people receive special messages from God. Um, you may have seen this. It seems like a lot of uh, pre TV preachers you see uh, claim to have this gift. I mean, you know, I've, I've heard them say, I've literally heard them say before, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a man in Des Moines, Iowa right now that's watching the show, and God's just given me, you know, this spirit of, uh, of knowledge to know that he currently has cancer in the lower right lobe of his lung, and right now we're going to pray for total healing and, you know, that person's body or whatever. And so some would look at that and go, you know, well, they had the gift of knowledge. Holy cow, how would they know about this guy having cancer in, in Des Moines? Moine, Iowa, or whatever, and, and so the, the gift of knowledge and the gift of wisdom uh, can be defined in a lot of different ways, you know, by being smart, uh, which could also come from studying, uh, to having supernatural thoughts implanted by, in your brain by the Holy Spirit. So which is right? Well, which, are, which of these are correct? Well, I don't have the gift of knowledge, <laughs> all right, so I'll let you determine that. But see how you can kind of get hung up? You can kind of get high-centered on, on some of these things and, and let it take you down a path that really there's no need in going down at all. But my guess is that the truth is somewhere in the middle on that. The point, however, is this, is that I doubt that there's really 
any way of knowing exactly what the word of knowledge was or is. And I believe that verse 8 here is the only place in the Bible where that actually is even used uh, in the New Testament. Now, obviously, some of these gifts are easier to define than others. Uh, when we read miraculous powers, that seems pretty clear, right? Uh, but again, everyone has an opinion, and, and uh, that's what's taking place here in the church in Corinth. There's a lot of debate, a lot of discussion about the gifts, what they include, you know, what, what, wh- where they came from and all that. And here's the deal. There, there are disagreements between scholars even today uh, on the definition of every single gift that Paul lists here in 1 Corinthians. And so, if, you know, if you come up to me after church and, and uh, say, Steve, I have the gift of knowledge, I'm not going to argue with you. Uh, I, I'm kind of like Mark Twain. I never argue with stupid people. They'll drag you down to their level and beat you with experience. And so I'm never going to argue or debate with you something like that. But seriously, you may have the gift of knowledge even though it may be a little different than what Paul's talking about here in verse 8. But Christians, here's the deal. We should always be careful to exercise humility when it comes to these gifts. All right? When it comes to any spiritual gift, they are not given to us so that we can flaunt them or we can boast about, I have the gift of knowledge. Just come to me and, you know, I can... That's not what it's about. That's not what it's to be used for. And that's kind of what's taking place here in the church at Corinth. And so we should be careful to exercise humility when it comes to these gifts that God has given us in our own personal lives. And if you see someone that's drawing attention to themselves by some gift that they have, that's not of God. Because that is not God's purpose for giving you gifts. Is that So people will look at you and say, look how great they are. The purpose of the gift is to look at you and say, look how great God is. All right? See how great our God is. That's what the gifts are all about. No matter how we define these gifts, Paul makes it pretty clear about some things here in the next verse. Look at verse 11. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. All right? So who determines what gift you get? He does, right? Not you. The source of each gift is the Holy Spirit, and it's His job to distribute them to the church and to the Christians and to individuals. And then Paul says in verse 12, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And this is Paul's focus on down. If you read on down through verse 26, this is his focus here, and there's, there, there's a lot of uh, diversity in the church when it comes to different people and the gifts that they have. There's all different kinds. We're, we're a diverse bunch of people with all kinds of different gifts, but don't miss this. The church is one body. It's united through Jesus Christ, even though we're so very different. And, and so every member is unique. Every single one of you has a gift that is probably unique to you. That God has brought you into this church. He's brought you into the body because we need your gift, right? We we need what you've got. In order for us to be a healthy body, it takes all of the parts working together. 
And, and so that, that's what, how Paul is, is explaining it here on down through verse 26. God designed the church like this on purpose. Uh, Max Lucado, I don't know how many of you read any Max Lucado stuff. He, he is a, he, he's a artist with words. I mean, he can paint pictures and, and help you to understand things. Uh, that that uh, I never could. I want to share with you as as I was preparing for this a couple weeks ago. I follow Max Licato on Twitter, and uh, he posted about this passage of scripture right here, uh, verse twelve. And I want to share with you what he wrote about it because I thought it was, it was really good. It gives you some insight to it. He said this. He said two of my teenage years were spent carrying a tuba in my high school marching band. He said, not necessarily what you would describe as a call from God, but it wasn't a wasted experience either. He said, I learned some facts about harmony that I'll pass on to you. Would you attend a concert of a hundred tubas? Probably not. But what band would be a band without a tuba? What band would be a band without a flute or without a trumpet or a steady drum? Get the idea? The operative word is need. They need each other. By themselves, yes, they can make music, but together they make magic. What I saw decades ago in the marching band, I see today in the church. We need each other. Not all of us play the same instrument. Not all of us make the same sound. Some are soft. Some are loud. Some convert the lost, others encourage the saved, and some keep the movement in step, but all are needed. You're needed. We all are needed, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. And so it is with Christ. And let me just add here, uh, a side note, it makes no sense whatsoever to want to live your life in the power of Christ and to be able to do the things that He's called us to do. It, it makes no sense for us to want to be able to do that and not be attached intimately to the body. How can you be filled with the total power of the body? How can you be used as, as the power of the whole body if you're not connected to the body? Right? I, I don't see how people can say, well, the, the church is not really that important. I can worship him wherever. No, the church is important because all the pieces are here. And it's when we come together that we are at our best. Right? That's where the, the magic happens. And, and so it is important. Now, I want to skip down now to uh, verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Every one of us, again, part of the body, important part, important gift. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. And I think it's interesting to compare this list with the list that Paul had earlier there in verse 8, 9, 10. And he adds to this list apostles, teachers, and those with, you know, gifts of administration. So apparently there are gifts other than what Paul mentioned previously. These are all gifts from the Lord. 
They're all gifts from the Lord which enable them to do what the Lord has called them to do and are important to the body of Christ doing what we've been called to do as the church. And then he concludes the chapter in verse 29. Are all apostles? And, and the clear implied answer to this question and those that follow is no. Not everyone has the gift. Not everyone is an apostle. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all have the gift of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. And it would be crazy to think that any one of these is something that every Christian should have or expect to have. Oh, by the way, Jesus is the only one that had all of these gifts <laughs> encapsulated into one person. But look at verse 31. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. So he's listed all these gifts a couple different times. And he said, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. So the question is, what's the greater gifts? What, what is the greater gifts? Well, some would say based on chapter 14 a little bit later that he's talking about how prophecy is better than tongues. Others might say because of the chapter that follows that uh, the greater gift is simply love and the acts of love. Uh, some might say it's the fruit of the Spirit that Paul talks about in the book of Galatians. Right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I believe he's saying that there's nothing wrong with desiring uh, whatever we think the greatest gifts are for us to have. I believe that's what he's saying here. As long as we keep in mind what he said there in verse 11. It's okay to desire these things and, and to want these greater gifts, whatever, whatever they may be. But to keep in mind that it's the Holy Spirit who distributes them as he wills. All right? Not as we wish. It's not, I wish I had this gift and because I held my mouth just right and put my hand on a lamp and pointed this hand in the right direction, now I'm going to have this gift. That's, that's not it. He's, he, he's saying it's the Holy Spirit who distributes the gifts to the ones that he wants to have the gifts. But one thing I take away from this, and it's something that's caused division and conflict among believers, among churches, among denominations, and, and it's this. Not every Christian is supposed to have one of these specific gifts that's listed here. All right? And, and I'm, I'm just going to leave that at that. All right? There is no one particular gift of the Spirit that proves that you have the Holy Spirit in you. All right? There are lots of gifts, and it's the Holy Spirit that determines who gets what's gifts. And, and we see that in, in verse 29 and 30. And Paul is clearly making the point that just because someone doesn't have one of these gifts does not mean that they have not been baptized by the Holy Spirit. All right, some people uh, must have, you know, been saying back then, and, and they're still, you know, saying it today. Well, if you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit, you will have one of these gifts, and, and that is the evidence that you have the Holy Spirit in your life. But you can't deny what Paul says here in the same passage in verse thirteen. Go back up there. He says, "For we were all baptized by one Spirit, at, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink." Paul's point is that the church is one body, and we are united through the Holy Spirit. 
through the power of the Spirit because every single believer, don't miss this, every single believer has the Holy Spirit. Every single believer has been baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. So how many of these gifts can someone have? How many of these gifts could someone have? I, I don't know, but verse 7 speaks clearly that you will have at least one. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you will have at least one of these spiritual gifts that were promised here in the New Testament. But I, I don't see any reason why a Christian couldn't have more than one. But don't miss this. That's not the point. The point is this. The point is that every single one of us has a gift from God to be used for His glory, to be used to make the church stronger, to do the work that we've been called to do, to build the kingdom, to go into the, all the world and be His witnesses. We each have received the gift to be able to do that. We all have at least one. And, and there are more spiritual gifts than, than what Paul listed here in this particular passage of Scripture. And, and I want to give you an example because there's no mention here of musical abilities as a gift from God. All right, and I know that many people have an undeniable gift, obviously from the Holy Spirit of music. I've seen people in the church that had the gift of being artists, and they used that for God's glory and to build His kingdom. I've seen people that God had given the gift of carpentry that could build churches and could see things and design things and build structures and, and, and things that would bring glory to God and point people toward Him. I've seen people that, that were obviously gifted with technical skills, geeks like Hayden. That, I mean, it's a gift. Sometimes we look at it and go, how could that be a gift, right? But it's a gift that they know how to make the, all of this technology and stuff work together. This week, this, this room right here is going to be filled with more geeks than you've ever seen in your life. We're putting in uh, some new sound equipment, a new sound board, and it works off an iPad. And it, it, mind-boggling. God has given people the gift to be able to do these things. Why? To build the kingdom. To give Him glory to enable us to be able to fulfill the call that we have on our lives to make disciples, to serve others, and, and to worship God. And, and, you know, if whatever gift it is, if it's used to bring glory to God, then it's a gift that you've been given by the Holy Spirit, and it's important to the body of Christ. But I'm going to tell you, spiritual gifts are more than just natural talents. All right, some of us have natural talent. Some of us do not have much natural talent at all. I was sharing with them earlier in, in first service. I, I so bad all my life have wanted to play the drums. And I have decent rhythm. I can clap on time. <laughs> I can't play the drums. I've tried. My feet and hands just don't do all that together at the same time. All right, but, but spiritual gifts are more than that. They're more than just natural talent. But it, it would be silly to assume that the two are not connected in, in many cases and in many instances. The bottom line here today is this, folks. We have been promised by God Himself who doesn't break promises. We've been promised the help that we need. 
we've been promised these, these gifts. And so every single one of us as followers of Jesus Christ has been promised that we have a unique gift to be used in the body of Christ and to bring glory to God. And so the question in studying this, there's, there, there's two questions that have to be answered today if you call yourself a Christian and you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Number one, what is your spiritual gift? And number two, how are you using it within the body of Christ? Because that's why you have it. That's why you've been given the gift. All right, And I believe every single believer, every follower of Christ has to be able to answer that question. What is my spiritual gift and how am I using it for the common good of Christ? If God has given you a gift and if you're a Christian, He has, He wants you to use it. Lynette and I, uh, I'm going to get off track. You just keep playing whatever cute thing you're playing here. and I'm going to tell about my weekend. How about that? Uh, so Lynette worked in Fayetteville on Friday. Uh, I drove up, uh, drove her up there Thursday night, and uh, I worked in the hotel uh, room while she went and worked uh, Friday. We left there when she got off, and we decided we were going to cut through from Fayetteville and go to uh, Branson, but we wanted to go through Ponca and see if we could see the elk. And so we, you know, GPSed uh, how to get there, and uh, we drove across beautiful good grief. You get opportunity this week. The colors are starting to change. We saw a bunch of elk. Uh, Brent and Jessica Brainerd told us if we were in the area, go to this place called... I'm a, you, you good? Alright, because I, I when I recommend eating places, y'all take note, alright, because it's always good. Jessica and Brent Brainerd said, go to a little place called Low Gap. I kept calling it Low Bar. Lynette kept correcting me. Low gap. You're going to drive up on this little cafe that looks like something from The Exorcist. I don't even, I mean, huh? Yeah, it's a house. Is it a house? Kind of like Toad Suck Bucks, those of you who've been out there. It's kind of scary. Um, doesn't look like a place you'd want to go just drive to and eat, but it's worth your while. I told you all that for some reason. Oh, we went on to Branson from there. Steaks were awesome, by the way. We went on to Branson because we're Christmas shopping. It's that time of year. Uh, Halloween is Wednesday. We're putting up Christmas Thursday at our house. But we buy Christmas presents, and Lynette and I, we don't ever seem to disagree on how much to get or how much not to get. You know, as we buy for kids and family and, and various friends and stuff. But, but our hope is in buying gifts, what is it when we buy someone get a gift? Our hope is that they'll appreciate what we got them, right? That they'll enjoy it. And they'll be grateful that we thought of them and got them, you know, a gift for Christmas. And what we don't want them to do, our boys to do, and, and our daughter-in-law, Mel, what we don't want them to do is look at each other's gifts and go, well, my gift is better than yours. Mom and Dad love me more because, you know, I got this gift and you didn't. 
get that gift. Or maybe they look at the other one's gift and they go, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get that. I'd rather had that gift than the gift that I got. Think about how hurtful it would be after you'd spent time picking out the gift. You'd spent money paying for the gift if they just took the gift and they threw it aside. They didn't appreciate it. They didn't use it at all. And you know, as I, as I thought about that in the same way, our Heavenly Father has been so generous. He picked out a gift just for you. It's special. Had your name on it. He knitted you together in your mother's womb so that you and this gift would be perfect together to be used for His glory, to be used to serve other people, to do His work and carry on. What He's asked us to do here, and He's equipped us, and He made us a promise that He would, and He has. He has. And so the question this morning, what is the gift that He has given you? And as He looks down and sees you with that gift, how does He feel about how you've responded to it or what you're doing with it in your life? What gift has He given you? What are you doing with it to bring Him glory? and to do His work. Listen, spiritual gifts are not meant to be something that creates division or to be held over someone else's head to use for leverage or whatever. They're intended to be things that we use for God's glory and for His good. And my prayer has been throughout these last six weeks that we will embrace this, we will understand this, and we will use these gifts in a way as they all come together to do some magic in this world that can only be done by the hand of God, weaving us all together and pulling all of our talents and gifts together. Friends, it's the promise of the Holy Spirit. We have exactly what we need to do what He's called us to do. We have that available to us today. I pray that you would claim that promise. We've been promised the help. The question is, are we living in that promise in our lives personally? Are we living in that promise in our families? And are we living in that promise in our church? I'm praying that we will. And God will do some incredible things in and through our lives in the day ahead. This morning, I want to open the altars to you. Maybe God spoke to you this morning about... Something that you just need to come and bring to Him at this altar. Maybe He's given you a gift and you know you've not been using it for His glory or for your kingdom. Maybe you're confused about what your gift is. And maybe you'd just like to come to the altar this morning and say, God, you know, what is it? Show me. And, and typically I tell you, it, it's anything that you enjoy doing and it's something you enjoy, not only enjoy doing, but you do well. But maybe this morning you'd just like to come and say, God... Show me the gift. Reveal to me what it is that you want to use in my life 
to help build the kingdom and bring glory to you. Maybe this morning you just want to come and pray uh, together as we have this this prayer time at the end of service each week. I invite you to come. Maybe you know a family that's in need. Maybe some of you would like to come and pray on behalf of someone. Uh, I heard Ron Riddle. Many of you know Ron Riddle came out of this church pastoring our, our cowboy church. Uh, his daughter's in intensive care uh, this morning in very serious condition. Had a baby yesterday, very premature. Some complications go with that. Maybe someone would like to just come and pray for Casey and uh, that baby in that situation this morning. We have many in our church that are, are going through difficult times and battling cancer and going through things. A young man, Brandon Webb, we've been praying for. Uh, that was in an automobile accident. He's taking a turn for the worse this weekend. A lot of complications in very serious condition right now this morning. I just got a message before I came to the platform. Maybe you'd like to come this morning and just bring some of your family members to pray about a decision that you're trying to make. Whatever it is, this morning I just invite you to come. I believe God's calling some of you to come and pray at this altar. This prayer chest up here is just filled with names of people that we're praying would come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Maybe some would like to come pray over that today. But as we close together in prayer today, let's join together in unity as one as the body of Christ that we would be available by God to use our unique gifts together for His glory, for His purposes. Let's join together in prayer today. God, it is so amazing and so wonderful to be in your presence, to be able to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ, to be able to be with our family, to look out across this group of people and think that you all brought us together on purpose is amazing in itself. Not, not only did you bring us all together on, on purpose, but you brought us together for a purpose. And that's to do your work. That's to bring you glory. It's to build your kingdom. It's to lead other people to you. It's to disciple others. It's to be your witnesses. It's to love our neighbors. God, there's so much that you can accomplish through a strong and powerful body. And today, we thank you for the challenge that we've heard from your word today as Paul was addressing the issues there in the, the, the church in Corinth. God, we, we could take a look at that and, and go, we could do better. Number one, we can, we can be more available. We can be more aware of the work that you want to do in and through us as individuals and how important it is to the entire work of the body of Christ. It's so important that each one of us are, are, are healthy and using our spiritual gifts that you've given us in order to strengthen the body of Christ. We're stronger together and we are apart or separate. Thank you for that awesome reminder today. I, I, I thank you today for uh, these that have come, maybe searching your will in their life, maybe searching for uh, your spirit to do a work in their life personally or maybe in their family. But God, you know each and every situation that's represented here today, and maybe not at the altar, but just by a heavy heart that uh, walked through these doors today. And God, I, I just pray that you would do a work that only you could do, that we would understand that you are a source of help. You've promised us the help that we need, and, and sometimes we hear that, but we don't accept it, and we don't live in it, and we don't walk in it. So I pray that there would be some people here today that would accept your help. 
And God, that uh, today they would they have an overwhelming sense of your presence at work in their situation and in their life. But most of all, God, that it not necessarily would be easier for us, but it would be so that people would see you and we would see you and we, we would know that you're at work. I pray for these we mentioned this morning, Brandon, Casey. They're both in very serious situations with family gathered around them that I'm sure are crying out to you on behalf, on their behalf. And so, God, we join them around the throne. We pray for your will. We pray for healing. We pray for peace, comfort, hope, the strength that they need in every moment. Be exactly what they need in every moment as they go forward from right now. But God, we would pray for healing in their lives and restoration of their families together. God, again, we thank you that it's not just the body of Christ that meets here and assembles here in this building. The body of Christ is assembled all over this community today. Not just this community, but this state and this nation and our world. It's a huge church. It's a huge body, and we're grateful to be a part of it and do what we can do here. But God, we pray for the, the church worldwide, that we would be in our communities what this world needs to see. I pray that we would bring unity to the division that we see happening all around our, our nation and even our state. I pray that you would use us. Well, it, no better time than for the church to be seen as a unified body of believers than right now. So I pray that you'd give us opportunities. I pray that we would know exactly what to say, how to act, how to respond, that you would use us in a glorious way to bring healing to our land. I pray for those today that are hurting, that you would be their comfort. I pray for those today that are, are struggling, that you would be their source of strength. And God, we thank you that you love us you've gifted each and every one of us we thank you for the gift I pray now that we'd be faithful and obedient to use it for your glory to do your work and your will here on this earth and we'll always be careful to give you the praise and give you the glory that you deserve for what you're doing it's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray Amen Amen well God bless each and every one of you I hope you have a great rest of the day we love you